The message is going to start just in a moment with a song that is going to prepare our way for our friend today, uh, Dr. Richard Shaw. Uh, Richard is, uh, is a scholar. He's a professor. He is um, a Foursquare ordained minister. He is a counselor, and he is a friend. Uh, he is known to many of you uh, over the last 10 years. He's been here frequently in a variety of ways and capacities, and each year we make sure that he's uh, having some direct input into our life. Uh, I met Richard, uh, first of all, at South Lake Foursquare Church, where at that time he was overseeing all the pastoral ministries, including weddings and funerals and counseling and crisis management and et cetera for the church, as well as serving at George Fox, where you are well into your 24th year. Richard has an amazing legacy of students who have gone from there and many of the folks that we now know in common that are resources here at Evergreen are a part of that legacy of students who were trained under Dr. Shaw and in the program that he's a part of and for many years oversaw. Personally, uh, Richard is the uh, professional and friend that I have engaged in my life at some of my darkest times that I have told you about. And for all of us today, if you're meeting for the first time, you'll leave in a few minutes with the same feeling that we have. This is a great friend. After Marley and the band uh, give us the gift of this song, I'll invite you to warmly join me in welcoming Richard with your applause. So I love that song. Thank you, Marley and team, for doing that for us. Um, gosh, it's so moving. You know, it's true what pastors say. I know you've heard this before, but what we're going to talk about today is from that song, and it's, it's for me, and if it's for you, great, right? In other words, this is something that just really landed with me and made a lot of sense to me, and so sometimes when people stand up in front here, they're, they're preaching and teaching and, and speaking truth to themselves, and then... Uh, then hopefully it, uh, it, it goes out from there and it has something to say and, and make a difference for you. It's so good uh, to be with you today. Thank you for having me, um, Jared and Ann, amazing people that I've had an opportunity to be in relationship with for a long, long time. I'm very, very grateful for them. And after the kind of setup that Jared gives me this morning, how can you not um, you know, do something well? He's just so kind in that regard. Um, the only thing I typically add to that very gracious introduction is my, my humble beginnings, which I'm very, very fond and proud of. I'm from uh, Napanee, Nebraska, population 160. Yeah, and shrinking, so, because I left, right? So it's getting smaller. So uh, my kids say 160 people, and yet they call it a town? Like, we call that a neighborhood, Maybe, right? So, uh, but yeah, that's uh, uh, back in the day, that was uh, where life began and, and where my family's from. I'm very, very thankful for uh, the small town in Nebraska and the community and church and family that were a part of all of that. Uh, the sermon title today is uh, You Say. It's all about what God says about us. And I, I want to start with a scripture from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And, and this scripture is on the wall uh, up at the top of my steps in my house and has been for many, many years. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. 
That's the core of what we're going to be talking about today, and I challenge you to let that sink in just a little bit. The way that that ended up on the wall uh, of, of uh, the, the top of my steps in my home was probably 15 years ago when my kids came home from a Bible school, and that was the scripture that was the, the, the focus of the week. And uh, it just like rang true for our family and has become a life verse for us. And I refer to, refer to it on a regular basis in my personal and professional life. And I'll just take 30 seconds to do something with that before we go on. Trust. Do you know what the toughest thing is that we all do? Put our trust in somebody else. We trust in ourselves, but it's really hard to put our trust in something or someone else, and yet we're called and pressed to do that all the time. Trust in the Lord. Who else would we want to trust in? With all our heart, our person, our being, and lean not on our own understanding. We do that all the time. In all your ways, what are you facing today? What decisions are you looking at right now? How can you acknowledge him so that he, not you, will make your paths straight? Do we really trust him to guide us with whatever it is that you're setting with, thinking about, struggling with right now? If you do, fantastic. If you need a little help on that, maybe some words that we're gonna to share today will help you to do that very thing with whatever it is that's on your heart and mind today. Um, I'm not sure if we still have this, but um, The Doctor Is In was the name of your series, and, and I actually had a picture uh, that I took about a year ago of uh, the doctor being in, yeah. <clears throat> I was down in Northern California, and I think it was the Peanuts Museum, or there was something. I always find little things to do when I go and travel, and, and we came upon that and uh, took a picture of that about a year ago or so. And by the way, um, I'm worth every penny of that, <laughs> five cents, so that's, that's great. So uh, I couldn't help but chuckle a little bit when I, I, I saw that that was... That was what the, the series name was, and I could relate to that. So uh, one other thing as we start, have you ever played two lies and a truth, right? Have you heard of this game? Or if you have it, maybe your kids have. My kids came home from, from youth uh, when they were a little younger, and uh, it's kind of an icebreaker game they would do. So you, you come up with like, I, I think I got that right, two lies and a truth. There could be two truths and a lie. I don't know. It's one of those two. So the point is, is that several of the things that you say are true, and several of them aren't, or whichever way that goes, and then you got to figure out which is which, right? And so I was thinking about truths and lies as we looked at this scripture today, and as we think about the words here about believing what God says about us. The whole idea of this is that we learn to believe the truth that God has said, and that we learn to filter out the lies that come from everywhere else. I told Jared as I was preparing that this is both the hardest and easiest sermon I ever wrote. Um, uh, Ann and Jared had talked to me a couple of months ago planning for this, and I, I worked through a number of different scriptures and a number of different topics, and I did all this work, and I just couldn't land on the thing that I thought 
was what I should have for you today. And so in the process of getting to this, I wrote about three other sermons, so that's good. Um, but then I heard the song that Marley and the team sang for you. Have you heard it on the radio? Right? I got to tell you, I love that this song is in the top 10 of all pop music and playing on all kinds of radio stations right now. Right? Nobody says what it's about when they play it on 105.1, but, but we know, right? What a beautiful song. What a great word for us. And so I told you I, I wrote three other sermons to get to this one, and then as I landed on this song and couldn't get away from it, um, I said, gosh, there's got to be a sermon in there. The, the outline's laid out for me in the course. They've done half the work. And so I sat down in an afternoon as I was listening to this song over and over and over and put together some scriptures that I thought supported the words and then a few stories to go with that. And then I went home and called it a weekend. So that's about as easy as it gets in my world. So I hope that as we share some of that with you today, something will land with you from truths that God says about us. Okay, number one, you say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am loved. Now we know that, we believe that, but the unique thing about that is when I'm numb and when I can't feel things and when I'm overwhelmed and when life is tough, when I don't feel it, I tend to think it might not be true. What God says is true. And he says we are loved all the time. This is attachment language. This is connection language. This is emotional. And it's about the connection we have with the God of the universe. And the thing that just, again, makes us so powerful is when we can't feel is the time when we know we're the most loved. Feelings, not good, not bad, just not the whole story. Now, I'm a counselor. I work in feelings all the time, but I'm here to tell you that it's only part of the story. And this piece here is a feeling place. When I feel nothing, when I feel numb, I want to remind myself, I challenge you to remind you that God says you are loved. Perhaps the most famous scripture uh, in all the Bible, John 3.16, with just a little adjustment, if you'll allow. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that if you believe in him, you will not perish but have eternal life. What a promise. What a truth from God to us. This spring gave me a chance to wrestle with this very truth. Um, in about 10 days' time, I had four different things that collided pretty significantly on me and my family. My mom, for the last year, had been in uh, independent living back in small-town Nebraska, and then this uh, fall, we had to move her to assisted living, and um, she just was uh, struggling significantly. Her body had just gotten used up. Um, she's lived a wonderful, wonderful life, and yet the last year or two had been really, really challenging. And, and the last thing she wanted was to move from that little 
town in that little house that I just mentioned and go to the city an hour away and, and be in somebody else's care. But there was just nothing else that we could do. But this spring, as her body continued to just give up on her, we knew the, uh, the end was coming. And uh, I'm the oldest in our family of three siblings, and mom and I have always been close, and she's definitely my, uh, my hero in the faith and my hero in life. And I remember the conversation I had with her on a Saturday, the last time that we ever talked, as uh, the end was near, and then I prepared to go home to be there for a funeral and, and all that happens since then. Uh, it was uh, in March. Uh, so that was going on. It was really, really challenging. And, and to be really honest, I'm still adjusting and dealing with some of the, the loss that goes with that. And then secondly, my wife's mom, her husband having died a number of years ago, she's in a significant new relationship of a couple of years. And out of nowhere, he had a heart attack and died within a week of mom dying. And so we had two funerals and two deaths in the family in a short amount of time. And then I get a phone call from my daughter, Madison, who was doing her elementary education teaching uh, in uh, Auckland, New Zealand. And uh, earlier this year, the whole family took her over. We went to Australia and New Zealand, spent some time down under. It was unbelievable. But there's nothing like leaving your 20-year-old daughter behind for three months, knowing that you're not going to see her. Well, she was going through some pretty significant challenges, both at the school where she was teaching and with the family that she was living with, pretty challenging stuff. She discovered that uh, families are really different and different families do different things and uh, they were a little different than our family and they gave her some opportunities for growth. <laughs> yeah, and me too, because I couldn't just go down the road and go rescue her or control it or fix it or solve it. She's halfway around the world and my little girl is out of reach. That was hard. And then my son, who plays football up at Whitworth in Spokane, um, made some choices this spring that were challenging. Uh, do you remember being 19? I'm sure you didn't make any mistakes, and, and I didn't either, but, uh, but he was dealing with some things that were pretty tough and pretty real. And so within about 10 days, I had four things happening in the family with grief and loss and things out of my control, and I kind of like to do that. And I had to let go of some of those things. And I had to remind myself that in the midst of all the feelings that were happening, I was still loved and God was still in control. Maybe someone here today needs to be reminded that God loves you even if you're not feeling it right now. Number two, second thing that we learn in this place is you say, I am strong when I think I'm weak, truths and lies. God says I'm strong when the very time I think I'm weak. Remember, what God says is true. He says we are strong. He gives us confidence, power, worth, and ability at the very time that in my power, my strength, my reflection, I feel like I can't go on. I just can't do it. Cognitions, values, thoughts, all the stuff that happens, understanding. That's God gave us this amazing brain to work with. And yet, it's not good. It's not bad. 
It's just not the whole story. Feelings aren't the whole story. Cognitions aren't the whole story. When I think I'm in my own power and I think I'm strong, God reminds me how much I truly need him and his power. Look at Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Will you say that with me? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You might notice uh, that scripture. It gets used a lot by athletes. Like my son who plays football, he writes things on his cleats. Do you know they do these things on the bottom and on the sides? And when you tape up ankles and arms and all this, sometimes people who uh, follow Jesus will write scriptures in different places and kind of dedicate things in a game. And, and my son writes Philippians 4.13 on his cleats and, and on his tape jobs on a regular basis. And I thought, you know, I'm probably not going to strap on a pair of cleats anytime soon. Probably not going to wrap up an ankle, although that could happen, but I can write this in other places. I can put this on a sticky note. I can put this on my phone. I can put it on my refrigerator. I can put it in places where I can remind myself of the truths that God has shared with you and I, that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength and makes us strong. Well, if it works for athletes, it will work for you and me. That's the second truth that we see in this song. Third truth, you say, I am held when I am falling short. You say, I am held when I am falling short. You know, it would have been so easy to write out this song with the second half of things like, you say I'm held, you know, when I feel held and when I can see you and when I understand you and when I know you're there. Yeah, that's the easy part. The beauty of this picture is the very things that are true are true at the very time when sometimes we get told lies. When I'm falling short, when I'm not enough, when I'm screwing up, when I'm sinning, when I'm not cutting it in some way, when I'm less than. But what God says is true. And he says we are held, we are cradled, we are connected, we are touched, we are holding hands, we are in relationship, companionship with one another and with him. So, yes, sin separates us from God, but it's not the whole story. The rest of the story is that Jesus already paid the price for our sins and for our shame so that we can have right relationship with God the Father. When I'm messing up, God says, I'm right there, and it doesn't change the way I feel about you. Look at Hebrews 4.16. So let us come boldly to the very throne of God and stay there to receive his mercy and to find grace to help in our times of need. What do you need today? Are you going toward God or do you find yourself like me sometimes going away from God 
at the very time I need him the most. I'm going to read something to you here that's really familiar, probably to most of you in the room. So I'm going to ask you if you would trust me, would you just close your eyes for just a minute as I read this? And I just invite you to let pictures, thoughts, feelings, scenes go across your mind as I read this really familiar piece to us. One night, a man had a dream. He dreamed he was walking along the beach with the Lord, and across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene, he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonged to him and the other to the Lord. When the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand, and he noticed that many times along the path of his life, there was only one set of footprints. He also noticed that this seemed to happen at the very lowest and saddest times in his life. This really bothered him, and he questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I've noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you most, would you leave me? The Lord replied, my precious, precious child, I love you and I would never leave you. During your times of trials and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Go ahead and open your eyes. If that touched you in some way, maybe you can relate to this author about some times in life that have been tough and you felt alone and you've needed the connection of your heavenly Father. I want to tell you the truth. You are held even when life is tough and you're falling short. Number four, when I don't belong, you say, I am yours. What God says is true. He says we are his, literally sons and daughters of the Most High, brothers and sisters with one another, in Christ. When? When I don't belong. When I don't fit. When I feel like I'm on the outside. When I feel like I'm all alone. When I feel secluded and isolated and misunderstood. I am his. See, we often feel like we're outside the loop. We often feel like we're isolated and cut off. But the truth is that that's not the whole story. Because of the rest of the story is, is that God has paid the price and done exactly what he needs for us to come to him so that we can be part of the family of God. You know, it seems to me that this idea of family gets really overused today. This might just be me, I don't know, but you know, uh, you're a part of the football family, you're a part of the university family, you're a part of Bank of America family, you're a, 
part of whatever, right? And that's okay. They're trying to convey this very thought, I think. But I'm here to tell you that there's one true family that you are certainly a part of. If you belong to God today, you are part of his heavenly family. Listen to this scripture from 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. It's so powerful. It is this God who has made you and me into faithful Christians and commissioned us as apostles to preach the good news. He has put his brand upon us, his mark of ownership, and given us his Holy Spirit in our hearts as guarantee that we belong to him. And as the first installment of all that he's going to give us. If you're here today and you believe in Jesus Christ, you have a mark on you. And it's his mark. He has put a brand upon us that said we are his. And I'm not sure what the end of that scripture all relates to, but I certainly like it as a guarantee that we belong to him and as the first installment of all that he's going to give us. This is just the beginning. It's not the end. When I don't belong, when I feel like I'm out of the loop, you say, I am yours. Number five, I choose to believe what you say about me. See, it's a choice. You're going to choose to believe in something or someone, so why not choose to believe the God of the universe and what he says is true about you? I invite you, at least at times, to not believe everything you say about you. I invite you at times not to believe just what the world says about you, and certainly not what the devil says about you. But I can easily invite you to believe in what the God of the universe says about you. When life is tough, we have to choose who and what and when we're going to believe, and the kinds of truths from this song remind us who we can depend on. Our final scripture is Colossians 2.10, and I love it in the message version. Read this as, you, as I, I say it. Just kind of look over my shoulder and, and say this here. Everything of God gets expressed in him, in Jesus, so you can see and hear him clearly. Watch this one. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. When you come to him, that fullness comes together for you too. His power extends over everything. That, my friend, is the whole story. As the band comes back, let's pray together. Father God, we come before you right now, and I don't know where people are at this morning in their own story or journey or what they came to church today needing, 
but maybe one of these truths from this beautiful song will land. Remind those of us who need to know that you love us so dearly. Remind those of us that need it to know that you are so strong and you can help us face whatever is in front of us right now. For those of us who need your support and care and touch, remind us that you've got it and you've got us. You are literally holding on to us right now. And then remind all of us that what you say is true and we are yours forever. Dear Jesus, we choose to believe what you say about us today. In the powerful name of Christ, amen.